Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God, we want you to have your way today in this service. Thank you, Jesus. We want you to have your way. I think many times when we have church, we start feeling the spirit move, and I think we get nervous. And I think we don't know what to do. You know, and a lot of times I think we just need to bask in his presence. Amen? Amen. We just need to get in his presence of the Lord and let him have his way. Let him work miracle signs and wonders in our midst. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we want you to have your way. Amen? Amen. All right, we have a... uh, Prayer meeting on Wednesday, this Wednesday. If we're not here, we're not at our house, we're then at Mom and Ed's house. So there's three places. More than likely, we'll be at Mom's and Ed's. Um, another, any other announcements that we have? No kids' church today. And Julie, you're ready to do communion? All right, so we're going to take communion, amen? And after communion, we'll take up an offering, then we'll get right at it. (laughs) Amen? So you want to come up, and I'll hand out the elements. And we'll dance in your presence. Ed, did you have a word to share? (laughs) Joe. Could you put on uh, Isaiah 61, uh, verses 1 through 3, in the, I have the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, one through three. Christian standard. Okay, that's all right. We'll read it from here. We'll read it from that version. We're just going to read this together. Um, I feel like the Lord wanted this scripture to be read. And I think this is his response to our worship this morning. So let's, let's stand in honor of God's word. We'll all stand and read it together. Okay. Here we go. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. 
because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Amen. And I just uh, believe that um, in just praying this morning about communion and the time that we take where Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. You can sit down. You can sit down. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He said it, and the, and the thing when I was praying this morning, and we're going to read the scripture where he, he says to partake, but as I was praying about it this morning, what came to me was the scene of Peter with Jesus. And this, I didn't check it. I didn't look it up in the word this morning. It just came to my mind. But I believe, and you, can, you Bible scholars can correct me, <laughs> uh, that it, it was after the resurrection. Okay? So Peter, right? Do you all know the story of Peter? When Jesus said to him at the Last Supper, you're going to deny me three times, right? He said, Peter, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And Peter was like, no, I'm going to. And he did. He cut the ear off the soldier at the battle when they, when the, it was like thousands or hundreds of soldiers that came to get Jesus. And Peter went with his sword and he chopped the ear off. That was his passion. That was his passion. Oh, that we would have that passion, right? Okay, so, and Jesus saw it, and, like, he was like, no, 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 and he put the ear back on, and it was a miracle, and the ear just went right back on. He, he healed him instantly, and I just think about Jesus's heart toward Peter because it was, hello, it was just, um, it was right after that, right after that, that Jesus, that Peter betrayed Jesus. And you know what? He, when Jesus said that to him, he was like, no, not me, not me. And I think he wanted to prove it, and that's why he chopped the ear off. Not me, right? We do that sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully we don't chop off ears, though. <laughs> but... He did. 
when it came down to it, and, and uh, we've been talking about this, like when it came down to it, when the wolf came in the room, the sheep all ran. <laughs> the 12 disciples took off like lightning. <laughs> Their feet were shot in more than the gospel. They were like, we're out of here. <laughs> and I just think of Jesus, but you know, he, Jesus is all-knowing. He knew what was going to happen. He knew ahead of time, right? So guys, that takes us back to the time of the communion. That takes us back to the upper room. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew that all the apostles were going to run. But you know what? He also knew that years later, they were going to stand. And they were going to give their life for Jesus. They were going to stand true to the Lord. And they were going to give their life. All but one disciple was martyred. Do you know that Peter, right, who chopped off the ear and then he denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed? Or is that how it is? No, he denied Jesus and then the cock crowed three times. <laughs> and then Peter, this is the scene that came to me also. When Jesus came back from his resurrection, guys, and Ephraim, you know this story. Remember, Jesus came on the beach, and he, what was he doing? What did he make the disciples on the beach? Do you remember? He made a, he made a fire, right? And he was making fish. He was frying fish for the, for the disciples, they hadn't seen him in that way since his resurrection. And um, one of the reasons that he did that is because when they saw him, he wanted to prove that he was resurrected, so he ate food. <laughs> and it didn't come out of him like a ghost. He told the disciples, I'm not a ghost. <laughs> so anyway... Here they are, and the, the next conversation between Peter and Jesus was, because um, think of how, Jesus, or how Peter felt. The guilt, right? Have you ever felt guilt? Raise your hand if you felt guilt. Have you ever felt like you failed somebody that you love? Have you ever felt like you failed God sometimes? And then, can you imagine, like, you fail God in his most important moment, like Peter. Like, Peter probably had one of the biggest failures that we could do as a human. In Jesus' most crucial moment, they were going to take his life, Peter ran away. He denied Christ. He said, I don't know him. When they said, are you one of those disciples? And he said, nope, not me. He denied, he did something so horrible. But here's the great part. God took that horribleness. He took that horrible guilt. He took it and he went to Peter. And you know what he said? 
Do you, what, what do you think he might have said? Like, where were you when I needed you? Maybe that would have been appropriate, right? All that I did for you and you weren't there. When I needed you, you denied me. Did, did Jesus say that to Peter? No, but you'd think he would, right? And we'd probably do that to somebody who left us in the lurch. How many times have we gotten left or betrayed or hurt or broken? And we want to just like strike back. Like, where were you? Because that's our humanness. And so that's what Peter probably thought was coming. Peter probably thought, I am the worst of the worst, the biggest failure of the world. I denied the Son of God. I am going to go straight to hell in a hay wagon, right? But you know what Jesus did? And this is what he's doing to us this morning when he says, you, each one of you will be called oaks because he sees your future. He doesn't see your present and judge you by it. He sees what he has created you to be. And he says to you this morning, you will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. And he went to Peter that morning. He went to Peter. And you know what? He didn't say, where were you? He said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. What? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how Peter was confused? Like, wait, what? I thought you were going to discipline me. I thought you were going to holler at me. I thought you were going to tell me that, you know, I needed to ask forgiveness. No. Jesus saw Peter's future, and he sees our future. And he says, you will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks. Do you know what an oak does? Do you know what an oak does? It grows. And you know what kind of root it has? This is what happens when you grew up in a garden center. <laughs> it has a tap root. Do you know what a tap root is? It's a root that grows straight down. And then it spreads. And it's what makes the oak be able to stand in the storm. That's what you are. That's what he sees you as. And you have been born for such a time as this. Such a time as this. To be oaks of the Lord. To send down that taproot of faith. And to stand. And so Jesus comes to us this morning. As we partake of his body and his blood. By faith, when you eat that silly little cracker, who complained about the cracker last week? (laughs) 
We don't like these uh, quick crackers. We don't like these little wafers that taste like paper. So, all right, Julie, are you going to start making like Passover bread? (laughs) But that's what Jesus is coming to say to us this morning. He's saying, if you love me, feed my sheep. He's calling each one of us to the highest calling. When he said that to Peter, he didn't say that to Peter. He said that to Peter, who was the rock, who was the cornerstone, who is the church. His church. He said that to the church. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Don't sit in here and eat grass and hay and grain, grace. You could testify to that. (laughs) We're like the cows. We're mooing to Jesus. (laughs) The cows, they moo for grace. I can't even do it, Chris. I can't do it. But they cry out. They They just want you to bring them more food. Bring them more food. Bring them more food. And that's our fault because we've domesticated them. But, because otherwise they would just be foraging for food. (laughs) Sorry, cows. But that is what we do. And we don't want to do that. Jesus said, he didn't say, if you love me, come to church and read your Bible and eat, 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 till you get so fat that you can't even move. Right? He didn't say that to Peter. He didn't say, Peter, you failed me, so you have to do 50 years of Bible study, and (laughs) I want it written down. I will not deny Jesus my Lord 50 times every day for the rest of your life. No. He said, Peter, if you love me, Feed my sheep. You know what he said to Peter? Peter, do you know? Do you know who you are? Do we know who we are? We think we're humans sitting here making our way through church. We're not. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We are Peter. We are the rock. We are the church. And we are called to go and to feed his sheep. So guess what? Let's get off our chairs and let's get off our, you know what? And let's shot our feet with the gospel and let's go out there. One of the things in our devotion time this morning, and then we're going to take communion, is that (laughs) the Lord said, to me because I we came back from conference and you know it was great it was like hours and hours and hours of teaching and learning and messages and preaching and blessing and worship some worship and wow it was like and we both I think we both came home with this burden (laughs) like okay what happened? <laughs> What's the big news? <laughs> How did it change us to be more than we'll ever be? 
But we came back and we're like, wait, we're still Peter. <laughs> we're still Peter. We're still the church. And that's the whole point of this whole thing is that God sees us as his church, his people. And he says this morning, if you love me, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. That's what Jesus said. So now let's back up. We're, all right, so we're going back in time. Have you ever seen Ephraim? A timeline, light, right? But we're going to go back in time. And we're going to go back. We're going to go from that place where, where Jesus said, feed my sheep to Peter. Loved on him. Loved on him. He didn't hold anything against him because he saw Peter's future. And kids, do you know what? Do you know how Peter gave his life for Jesus? Do you know what he did? Do you happen to know how he was martyred for Christ? Do you know? Do you know, Stella? He was hung on a cross, upside down. And you know why? Because he said, because they, they weren't going to do that. That's right. <laughs> when they were going to kill Peter, they were going to crucify him like his king. They said, we're going to you love King Jesus. We're going to crucify you like the king, right? But Peter said, no, no. He said, no, I'm not worthy of that. Turn it upside down. See what God does through our life. See what he does from those moments that we have when we cut off the ear and when we deny him three times. He changes us. He changes us. And you know how he changes us today? By the body and the blood. So we're going back, and we're going back to that upper room where he sat with his disciples, and he sat with Peter. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Because as we eat that wafer, and we drink that juice. By faith, it becomes the body and the blood of Jesus coming into us. It comes into your body. It comes into your digestion. It goes into your bloodstream. We are the church. We are the rock. Amen? So let's take our the body and let's hold it up <clears throat> when the hour came he reclined at the table and the apostles were with him and he said to them I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer 
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it's fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he, he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourself. For I tell you, from now on, you will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, so we take the bread, Lord, and we give thanks to you. He gave thanks. He gave thanks to his father, and he broke it. Let's break it, as he did. And he gave it to them, and he said, Church, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Thank you for the body. Thank you for healing our brokenness. Thank you for healing us, O Lord. Thank you for your healing of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our spirit by the body that was broken for us. In the same way, he also took the cup. Let's take the cup. After supper, and he said, This cup is the new covenant. That means forgiveness. We can be forgiven. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's partake. And Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from the tip of our heads to the tip of our toes, that cleanses us for all eternity. Lord, we receive your forgiveness this morning. Let's say that together. Just raise your hand up. Hold it like you're going to get a gift. And say, Lord, we receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God is good, huh? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Well, come on down, Grace. It's time to take up an offering. Amen. I don't want to miss passing up a blessing on anyone. Father, I just thank you, Lord, and praise you, Jesus. For this day that you've given to us. I thank you and praise you for all you've given to us, Lord. Lord, you are a faithful God. You are a loving God, a caring God. Lord, an everlasting God. A, lot, a God who knows everything. 
Lord God. And I just am thankful, and um, Lord God, that we can give back to you, Lord God, what you've given to us. Lord Jesus, help us to be givers. Lord God, open our hearts, Lord God, and show us what you want us to give. And I just pray that, Lord God, that you would bless it, that you would bless each person. We know you do, we, you, that you would bless the work of our hands, that you would prosper us, and that you would keep us in good health. And Lord God, I just pray over this offering in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I won't take long. Amen. <laughs> My wife says amen. So does an Ephraim. Of course. All right. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew. Chapter 9. <clears throat> if you want to... Uh, Hear some of our sermons. Have any prayer requests? You can always go to our church app that Joe just had up there, and you can push on them. Joe's got them all titled, pictured, and they're beautiful. And two weeks ago, we celebrated our hundredth sermon online. Amen. So praise God, Lord, and we pray for all those that hear this word. We pray for us that, Lord God, Lord, that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to see, hear, and receive all that you have for us this day, Lord God. And I pray that for all that hear this word, Lord God, that you would bless them, Lord God, that you would anoint them and use them for your kingdom and for your glory. Amen. This morning as I came down to the church and sat in my church office and was looking at my sermon and writing my sermon. I was looking outside the window there, and I can't help but see all these apples on our trees out there, on those apple trees. They're loaded, loaded with apples. And the apples are already starting to decay, and the bees are already starting, Lord God, to swarm around them. And I thought to myself, and I remembered a scripture in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. He was telling his disciples, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I thought of all the ways, and, all, and, I, and, I, and I think of all the days, especially the days that we're living in, that there are few laborers out there. Few laborers out there that go out and actually get the harvest. And I think of the state of our nation. And I'm thinking of the workforce that's out there in our nation. And I hear all the stories from all of the contractors. Because, you know, we also have run a landscape business. And we've run into this issue ourselves in the natural this year. You know, we have, there's a huge harvest out there. We've had plenty of harvest. 
We have more than enough work. Everybody's saying we got more than enough work. But you know what? We can't harvest all that work that's coming in. Because the laborers are few. Everybody is saying the same thing. Nobody wants to come to work. Nobody's working. <clears throat> they can't find enough people to help bring in the harvest. And I think of the same thing in the kingdom of God. Where is the harvest in the kingdom of God? Where are the harvesters? You know, we've been called to be harvesters. Not just of people, but of nations. Of nations. God told us to go into all the nations, preach the gospel, preach the good news. Preach the kingdom come. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, the theme was the same. He preached his kingdom come. He went around to all the towns and villages and to all the synagogues preaching his kingdom come. But where are the workforce? It's like my apples on the trees out there. If they're not going to be harvested, then they're going to be tormented by the bees and other insects, then they're going to decay, and eventually they're going to rot off and fall to the ground. And I think about that in the natural, and I think about that in the spiritual, in the supernatural. If we're not going to be a part of the great harvest, or if we're not going to harvest those that are ripe, what's going to happen to them? They're going to still be tormented, aren't they? By demons. They're only going to last for so long before they decay and rot and fall off the vine or the tree. See, the harvest, there's a time to reap or sow, and then there's a time to harvest. A time to harvest. And it's time to harvest, church. We need to be harvesters. Each one of us is called to be a harvester. Amen? In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because why? Because they were harassed. Interesting. Why were the crowds harassed? Who was harassing them? Well, I'm going to tell you, it all goes back. We go right to the root. It goes right to the devil. It goes right to the demons. Right to his minions. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Who harasses the brethren? The devil. He's the one who harasses them. He's the one who wants to bring discouragement. He's the one who wants to bring torment. 
He's the one who wants to torture you. And he's the one who wants to keep you from being harvested in the first place. You see, people are seeking. People are hungry for the truth. Because why? Because we've been lied to by fake news for so long that we don't know what's right or wrong anymore. and You don't know who to believe. But there are truth seekers out there that are seeking the truth. And if we don't bring the light and the truth into their situation, then who will? Or what will? Well, they'll be harassed. They'll be tormented. They'll be, they will be kept being tortured by demons and by the devil and by powers and principalities and darkness in high places. And that we need to be praying against them. You know, I'll tell you a little story, and this is not in my sermon, but when we came back from our vacation, and we're driving, we got all the way up into Binghamton. I'm driving through Binghamton, I got into Johnson City, and I'm like, there's something different. There's something different about the area that we're driving in. And I, and I told my wife, I said, look, I said, when we were driving up, it was nice and it was clear road all the way up until we got up here. But every, every light, every street light was out all the way to Appalachian. And I'm like, that's odd. Don't you think that's kind of odd? Like we went through Binghamton, all the street lights. It was like dark. We had our headlights. But I'm like, usually things are lit up pretty good down through there. And the highways lit up pretty good. As you go through Binghamton, Johnson City, and Appalachian, they have all the street lights. Every one of the street lights was out. And I thought to myself, what does this mean in the spiritual? You know, what does it mean in the spiritual realm? And I thought, there's darkness over our area. And I told Julie, I said, and she was pointing out the clouds. Look at, look at how the clouds were clear, but then over here, the clouds came in thick and dark. And I thought, you know what, we need to come against the spiritual forces of evil in high places over our area. We need to break the stronghold over the devil, of the devil over our area, over Broome County, over Tioga County, over Tompkins County. Because there is a stronghold here that's keeping God's blessing back on this area. Do you know our area is one of the poorest areas in the nation? All of our, most all of our industry have left our area. It's terrible. Why? That's why we need to seek God and ask God. Binghamton has been, been there's third world countries that are better living than in areas in Binghamton. And that's a shame in New York State. So we need to be praying. And we need to be breaking this stronghold over this. We need to come against this in the spiritual realm. That God's light would shine through in the darkness. Amen? That he would bring the truth to life in our lives. That this stronghold that the devil has over this area would be broken in Jesus' name, and that God's light would shine through right to the hearts of people and right to our leaders. 
We need to be praying for our leaders in government. That God will use them mightily in the kingdom. But as I was reading this in Matthew, I was thinking about how it says that the crowds were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, it says. And I thought to myself, it's just like those bees and those flies and those other insects that are just tormenting those poor apples out there. They're sucking the life out of them things. They're up there and they're getting all the good juices out of those apples. And those bees and those flies, especially flies, once they find a spot on your body, they, 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 go, they hone in on it. They hone in on it. And demons are the same way. Once they find weakness in your body, in your spirit, they hone in on it. They keep attacking. They're relentless in their pursuit of tormenting you. You ever have a fly kept landing on you in the same spot? Once it bites you, it makes a red mark and it comes back to that spot over and over again? I know we have when we were on our trip and we were at the beach. It was funny. We had flies, a couple flies that just kept coming around and tormenting us. And they would torment and come in on the same spot and they would bite you till you killed them. And that's what we got to do. We got to kill those sons and daughters of Beelzebub. All right? Get rid of them. Kill them. And that's what we're all called to do because we're all greater than we're all greater than the devil. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Amen. Don't forget it and don't let the devil tell you any different. And you know why that the devil wants to keep attacking you? Wants you to keep you from being part of the great harvest? Because the devil is afraid of you. Because the devil knows. And he knows it's about the harvest. He knows that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put tens of thousands to flight. And you know... You don't know who the next great Ron Hart Bakke is or Billy Graham or Oral Roberts or Smith Wigglesworth or Lester Summerall is. It could be you. And it could be somebody else that you bring to the Lord. <clears throat> and the devil, the last thing he wants you to do is be on fire for God, doing the will of God, sharing it with others. That's why he's got his demons out there to torment you and to cause fear in you. He wants to keep you bound up and afraid. He wants to keep you immobilized. <clears throat> he doesn't want you mobile. He doesn't want you unified. He doesn't want you walking in everything God has for you. It's like what my wife said. If he can just keep you coming to church, sitting still, eating and eating and eating more of the word and the grass and not doing anything. What does it say? Faith without works is what? Dead. 
Faith without works is dead. And if he can keep you immobilized, perfect. It's right where he wants you. Amen? So that's a cycle that we got to break. That's a rut that we've got to get out of. Right? I'm not saying it's bad to come to church. It's great that you're coming to church. But we got to do more than just come to church. We got to be the church and we got to be active in our community. We got to be active and on fire in our prayer life. And we got to be sharing the gospel with others. We got to be the church. We got to do what Jesus did. Because it says in the word that greater things shall we do than he did. And those greater things haven't come yet, but they're coming. They're on their way. Amen? Many are going to fall away. Many are going to rot off that tree. Many of people are going to fall to the ground and be wasted. If there's not a harvester out there to harvest those people, those souls for Christ, then they're going to fall away eventually. They're going to decay. It's harvest time. The fields are ripe for the picking. Don't let the devil discourage you or bring in fear. Fear is not of God. And perfect love casts out all fear. We got to get in us Love that's perfected by God so that we love others more than we love ourselves and that we care for others so that we can so that we are not afraid to share the gospel of Christ to bring them into salvation for their very souls, for their very spirits, so that they can live and reign with Christ for eternity instead of burning hell. Amen. We got to have that kind of fear of the Lord where we're, where we're more afraid not to share because we want to be faithful to God and we don't want to hurt our relationship with God than to be afraid to share. Amen? Amen? I believe that many of us have forgotten and many of us have failed to teach our children how to fear God. What true fear should be. How to fear the Lord, because most people don't really know the Lord. And that's a problem, because they don't really know who God is. If you really don't know who God is, then you don't have a fear of God. Like you should have, a true fear of God. The maker of heaven and earth. The creator of the universe. Who's the one who can kill you from the second death. He's the only one. Only one. I have learning to have a fear of being disobedient, more fear of being disobedient to God and His will or sin. I don't want to be in sin. I don't want to be sinning. I don't want to be disobedient. I don't want to hurt my relationship with God. 
because they don't fear, because people don't fear God, is the reason why they are disobedient or they are in sin. But yet they fear man. Amen? Most of us have learned to fear man more than to fear God. It's backwards. That is totally backwards. What does it say in the Bible? Proverbs chapter 29, verses 25. It says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Fear of man will prove to be a snare. In other words, it's going to be a stumbling block. It's going to be a trap. But trusting in the Lord, whoever trusts in the Lord, will be kept safe. Proverbs 8.13, it says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. How about that one? To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride. God says this, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Don't let any of those things in you. God hates it. And Proverbs 1, 7, which everybody knows, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the one everybody knows. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. So don't be a fool. Don't fear man. It'll trip you up. But be afraid of God, because it's the beginning of knowledge. Amen? Amen. We have to start getting our priorities right. And I'm not just talking to you. Or anyone who's hearing this, I'm talking about myself also. I don't want to be so busy or distracted that I forget about the things that matter. Like those apples on those trees out there. We can be so wrapped up in ourselves and our selfishness. I see, that's a hard time saying that, didn't I? We can be so wrapped up in ourselves and our selfishness. Selfish. This, my wife is saying, that we will miss out on the harvest and not reap the benefits of it. If I don't go out there and pick those apples, my wife is not going to bake me a pie. <laughs> I'm not going to reap the benefits of that nice, great apple pie that she makes. 
And that's a great benefit, my father-in-law says. And that's the truth. <laughs> but it's the same thing. If we're so busy in ourselves and in our selfishness that we forget what God is calling us to do or we keep putting it off, then we're going to miss out on the harvest. And we're going to miss out on the benefits of that harvest. So my prayer for you today is that we will ask God to open our eyes to his harvest. And that he will prepare the workers. That's you and me. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready in season and out of season. All the time. With our eyes open and our hearts open. And our hands out to give the gospel. And like my wife said, our feet shod with the gospel of the good news of Christ. We have such good news. We have the best news that the world has ever seen. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. God incarnate. He went to the cross and he died for us. So that we could be set free. From death. So we could be set free from sin. For, so we could be forgiven. For everything we've done. So my prayer, not only that, he will prepare us and prepare the workers for the, far, for the harvest, but that we would go out and go forth and not be afraid that we would have a greater fear of God than a fear of man, that we'll be so strong and that God will be so strong in us that we will not do anything Anything that will harm our relationship with him or separate us from him. And that those tormenting demons who have harassed us will be stopped in their tracks. And that they could no longer immobilize us or bring disruption to us or separate us or bring in disunity but that we would be unified together as one voice, unified with other believers who are like-minded. That we would be shutting out the devil's chatter in our minds. That that chatter would cease. And that God's voice would increase and become louder and louder and clearer and clearer. And that we would all be a part of this great end time harvest that's coming upon this earth. That's my prayer for each one of you today and for all that have heard this word. I pray that you would be used mightily by God. As my wife said today in communion, that you are a mighty oak. With a taproot that's able to withstand all the tossing to and fro of the devil. And that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro. 
And I just pray this, Lord God. I pray that we would be able to stand. Stand on your word, bringing the truth. That we would be light bearers, bringing the truth. Not just to our friends and families all around us, but to the nations. Give us the boldness to go to the nations. Give us the boldness to go to our congressmen, Lord God. To our representatives, Lord God, that are representing us in our communities, Lord God, in our government. Lord, give us the boldness, Lord God, to be fire starters, Lord God, in our schools, Lord Jesus. Give us the boldness to bring truth and light to our surrounding areas and to the nation. That, Lord, you would change the hearts of our leaders, that they would turn to you, that they would humble themselves, turn to you, Lord God. I pray this, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that you would restore in us a a holy fear of you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, a holy fear of you, the maker of heaven and earth, Lord God. I pray, and I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord God, for each person. Pray that you would strengthen them, encourage them, Lord, and use them mightily for your kingdom. And I pray your special blessings and anointing upon them. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.